Toxic masculinity affects men and women. It tells men that they're not allowed to share their feelings and that they have to act in a certain type of way. These behaviors hurt women too. Check out my interview with Colin Becker about masculinity and how it affects mental health. The Mental Health and Wealth Show. The Mental Health and Wealth Show. The Mental Health and Wealth Show. Thank you so much for listening to the Mental Health and Wealth Show. This is host Melanie Locker. And first of all, I want to acknowledge that you are brave and amazing for being here. Getting ready to listen to a show about mental health and money is not easy, and I know you are ready for these amazing conversations. But before you listen, I want to let you know that all of my content is based on my own personal experience with mental health and money, as well as the experiences and expertise of my guests. I'm not a mental health professional or a financial professional, so content should not be considered professional, medical, or financial advice. As a trigger warning, please note that content on the show may include sensitive topics around mental health and suicide. So if you're currently in distress, please get in touch with a professional by texting HOME to 741-741. Thank you so much and enjoy the show. This is Melanie Lockhart, host of the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Today, I'm interviewing my friend, Colin Becker. Colin Becker is a video editor who currently lives in Los Angeles, California. Colin's interest in mental health awareness began early in college after he noticed a change in his mental health. Ever since, Colin aims to help break the stigma by being a support system to his friends, educating himself within the field, and consistently being a willing listener. Thank you so much for being on the show, Colin. Thank you for having me on here, Melanie. I'm so happy about it. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you here. We have been connected throughout the years. I think first because you listen to Martinis and Your Money, which is uh, my BFF, Shannon, who's also been on the podcast. She has, you know, her own podcast, Martinis and Your Money, which I'm on there once a month for happy hour. And then you uh, also started coming to the Mental Health and Wealth Hangouts, which I absolutely loved. And it was so nice to see you there. And so I would love to hear a little bit more about your mental health story and why you think mental health is important. Totally. Uh, you know, I think for me, I kind of first, I think, started experiencing mental health kind of problems or issues when I was like a teenager. But I didn't really kind of, I didn't really realize the severity of it. I just thought, oh, this is just me being a teen, me just having crazy hormones, you know, and I kind of just, kind of just wrote it off, which was completely not a good idea, <laughs> obviously. But yeah. that's just what I did. And, you know, I think I live in a very small town in Ohio where mental health isn't really openly talked about. I think that people, people will often kind of say the the phrase, oh, like suck it up. You know, you're doing this for attention when you post things about it on social media. It's, it's, it's never really, I feel like received with open arms. And this is all just a part of the stigma that we need to initially destroy. But um, yeah, so I, you know, I, as a teenager, I was experiencing, you know, just like moodiness and just not necessarily feeling my best self. And again, thought it was just hormones. And then when I went to college, it kind of continued, but it was, I was now an adult now. I didn't have parents who could kind of like consistently support me all the time emotionally. And if you listened to my episode with Shannon on Martinez and Your Money, I had a house fire. And that was 
that was the one moment in my life where I literally saw my life change. I think before I was like, you know, I just felt like almost I was a grown up high schooler. Mm -hmm. But then the moment my house fire happened, I lost almost everything. (laughs) And I was entering this adulthood essentially because I just graduated. And not only was I struggling financially, but mentally I really had nowhere to look. And it was in that moment that I knew that I needed to really take a step back and like look to see what I was experiencing it and not just kind of, I don't know, throw under the rug anymore. Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad that you mentioned that mental health issues can often seem like, Oh, I missed a moody teenager or, Oh, you know, this or that. And I think a lot of people think that it's just like, oh, it must be this or that. No one really wants to name the thing that it actually is, which is mental health issues or struggles because of the stigma. And my boyfriend and I have talked about that so much is that a lot of people don't even have the vocabulary to say what they're feeling or what it is, or they don't even want to be close to that because just even acknowledging that there can be an issue kind of eats at this whole image of like, oh, but you're you're not strong and you're not together. And that hurts everybody because if we can't be ourselves to other people, if we can't admit when we're feeling weak, then that's just continuing to leave us in a dark place. 1000%. And it's something that I think that even, I'm a lot better with acknowledging how I feel and being content telling people how I feel now compared to how I used to be. But even now... I sometimes you think about the can of worms you're about to open yeah. when you're too on, like when you tell people these things, mm-hmm. you know, like it's like, <laughs> and, and that sounds in a sense kind of bad, but it, it's true it, where, you know, if you admit to someone that you have depression, then sometimes, especially with the stigma, you're just stamped it. Oh, he's just depressed. As if we aren't people in a work, we aren't experiencing ups and downs consistently. So I think, it's also kind of being content with yourself to admit it, you know, and seek the support that you need, essentially. Yeah. And I think, you know, with a lot of mental health stuff, like even someone like me, who I I do have clinical depression and anxiety and OCD, like, that doesn't need to be my entire identity. And something I've worked on in therapy is, you know, whenever these more undesirable traits come up, my therapist works very hard at saying, Melanie, this is a part of you, not the whole of you. And so you can say, a part of me feels anxious. A part of me feels depressed. Not I'm depressed or I'm anxious, which, you know, that's normal to say, but to have a little bit of distance and saying, a part of me is anxious, a part of me is depressed, because it is, you know, one small facet of your entire life. And sometimes, that signal can feel much stronger and overbearing than other parts of your life. But that's not like a branded identity, or at least it doesn't have to be. And I think that's part of the stigma. And, you know, you mentioned this kind of life altering fire, which I'm so glad that you are okay, obviously. And I'm curious, like, what are the mental health and wealth lessons from that experience? The fire, and I think this actually kind of flows into uh, this topic very, very smoothly. But (laughs) from a financial standpoint, you know, have renter's insurance, make sure you have emergency fund, you never know what tomorrow is going to hold. 
clearly at age 21, I never thought that I would, this would happen. I moved into the house when I was 18. So I never thought I would need renter's insurance. These are all things that factor in to the bigger picture. But from a mental health perspective, I lived with two of, well, three of my best friends, two of them being males, one female. And up until that point, we never ever said things like, I love you. And we were, they were my best friends. But then in that moment, I was like, I'm not really afraid to tell you this anymore because like, if God forbid something would have happened, I would have, I would want to say it. I would, I would have wanted to say it, you know, say it. So after that moment, I like told them, I was like, we're not doing this anymore. Like, let's drop this toxic masculinity. Yeah. I, I love you. And it's just things like that. So, yeah. Oh, that warms my heart so much. And I love that. And yeah, great tips. Definitely renter's insurance can help out a lot. And then, yeah, just realizing like what could have happened and realizing that let's tell people how we feel about them while they're still here and kind of get rid of this fear. And, and, you know, you mentioned toxic masculinity, which is the perfect segue into my next question is, you know, first of all, we connected more in depth at the mental health and wealth hangout, which I'm so glad that you started attending. And, you know, the, the hangouts I've really wanted to attract more men, you know, unlike Lola retreat, which is really focused on women. Like I have wanted to focus more on men as well with mental health and wealth because suicide rates are so much higher for men. And there are a lot of undiagnosed PTSD and mental health issues in men. And I really feel a part of it is because of this toxic masculinity, this cultural conditioning that men can't express their feelings. And it's really something that affects all genders. I mean, it's like it hurts men because they feel that they cannot express their feelings and they have to be tough. And it hurts women because we're dealing with the aftermath and not able to to help out. And that's unfortunately a lot of the time when the violence hits, when the lashing out hits, the anger and all of these things. And so I'm curious, you know, what are your thoughts on toxic masculinity? It is such a layered, you know, problem, obviously. <laughs> yeah. And uh, being being male, I I've experienced it obviously in different different ways when it comes to, you know, sporting situations, just competition in general. It also trickles into dating. You know, I feel like a lot of, I feel like a lot of heteronormative relationships men feel like they have to be the more dominant one. It trickles into the finance. They feel like they need to be the sole provider. So if they're not making a lot of the money, they feel like they're less of a man somehow. And I think that there's kind of two sides of this coin where I have had female friends tell me, oh yeah, like I thought I would want him to open up about his feelings, but the moment he did, it was too much. Mm. Like, they, like they think it's kind of like cute when when a guy maybe opens up once or twice but then if it's like it may be a consistent reoccurring thing i've had female friends say they, they've lost attraction um and that's kind of scary when when you're trying to be in a relationship with someone who you care about a lot and again i'm basing this off just a couple people and this is i'm not trying to uh lump anyone or marginalize or anything like that of this course. is just the experience that like I've seen. But when I hear that, it makes me wonder, oh, does everyone think that? And why is that 
the way that is, you know. Um, when you mentioned earlier about how when people bottle things up and they're not willing to open up about it, eventually the bottle's going to break. And oftentimes it's a lot worse than if you would have been treating it up until that glass shatter. And I've experienced that more so with my male friends than my female friends. So, and, and I'm, I've always been open really to talk about my feelings, but I think that I've gotten so much better about it throughout the years. But I have a lot of my male friends who aren't that way and they, they don't speak out about it. And I have had, you know, I won't obviously clearly mention names, but I've had instances where I've had friends lash out flip tables, hit walls. And I'm like, I had to like sit them down. And I was in a group of, it was me and three other guys and this guy who was having a moment and no one had knew what to do or say no one. So I literally was the one who was like, listen, okay, let's breathe. Like, let's, let's, let's think about this. And I literally kind of had to lower the situation. And it eventually I did. And I'm not, I'm not a medical professional, obviously. And I, so this is just from me trying to be a friend and be a support of someone. And I mentioned to him, I was like, I really suggest talking to someone. And if you don't feel comfortable talking to your friends, no one has to know that you're, you're seeing a therapist. And I'm not, and it shouldn't be necessarily a secret, but if it's the first step for you to finding comfort, then okay, let's do it. So that was kind of a little bit of a huge ramble about toxic masculinity because it is, it is just so, it's an onion full of issues and it affects so many different people and we need to figure out how to peel it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, a beautiful point. And you brought up so many important points. And I think, you know, something you touched on that I've actually been thinking a lot about lately, kind of reviewing my previous relationship and previous employment situations with men where I have worked with a, and, and been around a lot of angry men, very angry. And that has led to some feelings of like, I wouldn't quite call it PTSD, but just like, you know, things that affect you years later. So maybe it is, but like, obviously I don't have a diagnosis for it, but these things that you carry with you long after they've happened. And you're like, oh my gosh, that moment of dealing with this man's anger was so scary and transformative and like nerve wracking for me to experience. And obviously that's me as a witness fearing for myself and, and just being around it. But then it's like on a more compassionate lens from what you're talking about is like people who are that angry and violent are obviously very much hurting. And I think talking about toxic masculinity, like anger and violence, they're more culturally conditioned as like, those are quote appropriate ways for males to react, which is really unfortunate because it hurts women, it hurts other men. And obviously like violence is not the answer. And so it's like, I don't know. I've just been thinking about that a lot. Like how can we help men process anger or, or let that not be the default emotion so that they can process it in a different way. I know uh, in the podcast, it's going to be released this Friday. I was talking about my own anger because anger is not socially acceptable for women and how 
boxing has really been helpful for me as an outlet for that because it's like, okay, like I'm in my own little box of like anger. It's not really socially acceptable for women, but obviously anger is a normal human emotion also. And so boxing has helped me. Like, I'm curious, do you have any tips for men or like men with their friends? Like how would you deescalate a situation like that? I think it's really complicated because I think it also depends on the person being willing to opening up. <laughs> it's, yes. you know, none of these steps are even necessary if someone's gonna if someone's not willing to do them you know officially Mm -hmm. so i think when someone is feeling that extremity of emotions you have to first look at the safety of everyone involved in the in the the circumstance uh so i think safety is the automatic first thing and also separating them potentially from what is making them angry i think is also really important so if it's an email they got from their boss or it's a friend or a partner who made them upset, breaking people away from the root cause so they're able to process their emotions and not have uh, you know, the, the fire dangling in front of them, I would say. Um, I do think, though, there's a way of communicating to someone without... I'm trying to figure out how to say this. I think that I don't want to... <laughs> group all men either but i feel like a lot of men that i've seen they're they're afraid to be vulnerable and they're afraid that they're going to be talked down to mm-hmm. i think being talking at a level standpoint is better and, and also watching how you say what you're saying don't be like oh it's okay you'll be like mm-hmm. no, like they're, they're a human you know we can we can talk to them like being, I think the listener is such so helpful for at least the circumstances I have had and just asking them what's going on. Why are you feeling the way you're feeling? How can I help you in the circumstance? So acknowledging that their feelings are valid and not shutting them down either. Like, you know, never do the, oh, you should get over it. Oh, it's not that yeah, big of a deal. Clearly <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's sad that people though are still doing that. <laughs> like I feel like that's so common knowledge now, but it, it's not. People still, uh, yeah, I don't know. Continue with that. People still just want to be like, get over it. It's not that bad. Like it's like okay, thanks for just invalidating all of my feelings and my reality. Cool. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's a reason I have tears going down my face. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, and I've probably wondered the same question that, or the same response that you just gave me essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, in a, in a situation where there's a heated moment, I just think focusing on the, the right now and just kind of getting them into place what they're willing to talk about it. And if they're not willing to talk about it, being okay with that and just offering the support. If you change your mind and want to speak about it, I'm always here. Or if you need any resources here, Yeah, I think being a friend and starting that conversation and letting people know that you're here to listen and that you're here to chat without judgment and that, you know, you can also try to deescalate situations where it's like, hey, this isn't worth it. Like, we can get out of here. Let's move on to something different. It'll be okay. Like, I'm here. You know, trying to establish that level of kind of safety and comfort and you kind of mentioned a good point of kind of separating that instance what like that fire that match to that reaction. And I think like that's helpful for 
all kind of mental health situations and emotional reactions is like trying to put a buffer between that inciting incident and the reaction. Because usually our very first reaction is typically not an ideal one. And, you know, you see this a lot in anger where people in 1.5 seconds are hitting a wall and putting a hole into it or flipping a table and breaking it or, you know, that happens in 1.5 seconds. But if you were to pause a little bit, then maybe we can help mitigate some of that. And so, you know, I mentioned toxic masculinity, I feel like leads to the higher suicide rates, leads to men not feeling comfortable talking about their feelings or being vulnerable. And I'm so curious from your perspective, what are other ways that you think it affects men's mental health? I think that you said it so perfectly earlier when you mentioned about how your therapist mentioned that your, you know, your mental health isn't you, it's a part of you. And I think that is one of the biggest parts of the stigma that needs destroyed in this moment that human beings are, we're, th- we're, we're not two dimensional, we're three dimensional, and we're not going to be one thing all the time. Um, you know, as you mentioned earlier, too, about like women getting angry, women get angry, and that's completely okay for women to get angry. Men get depressed and sad and cry. And that's completely okay that men get upset and cry. And I think that's probably one of the biggest things. And and kind of, as I mentioned earlier, and I hope I worded it the right way, but I think that as kind of almost like a mental health ally, we also need to be there to defend someone when someone else puts them in that same box. Like, oh, why are you crying, man? Get over it. It's like, Mm -hmm. whoa, let's not see that. Or if you know, a woman is cry- uh, if a woman's angry and someone thinks that she's just off the rails or something, well, no, she can feel that way. You know, like we're all human, we're all feeling mm-hmm. different things. So I think that's really, really important is being kind of aware of that aspect. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, women totally know what we get called when we're angry and it's a crazy B. I won't, I won't let this episode be E <laughs> explicit. <but> we- <laughs> You know, that's what women get called when you're angry. It's like, oh, she's just being a crazy bee, which is just like doubly insensitive because we shouldn't also, you know, be using the word crazy anymore because it has that mental health stigma when really we don't need that. And then it's like we're being insulted. And to your point, like we're all allowed to have these feelings. And yeah, I think we need to be allies. So when we're in a situation when someone else is saying that to either a man or a woman, we're like, hey, that's actually not cool because... You know, especially like with the example that I just gave, you know, what men call women when they're angry is like, we're all learning new things. Some people don't even realize, oh, I probably shouldn't use that word anymore. And it's like, yeah, we're we're all educating each other. We're all on this learning journey. And so sometimes it just takes that like, hey, actually, that's not cool to say anymore. Or like, hey, like, actually, it's totally fine that men feel feelings and have emotions. Like, let's not make this worse. And as you were talking, I was thinking like, I've actually known some men who are like, I don't ever cry. And, you know, I, and it's just, to me, that breaks my heart because I feel like (laughs) for lack of a better word or phrase, like that must be like emotionally constipated, (laughs) you know, it's like, yeah, you're like not having a solid release. (laughs) And (laughs) I mean, Part of me thinks or wonders, you know, we're in this patriarchal system where 
men are, are given a lot of power or at least perceived to have a lot of power. And I wonder if they feel like if I'm showing my emotions, if that means I'm more feminine, then I'm losing my power. I think the really important word that you said there was perception, because <laughs> it is so true. It's like, it's the perception of power that I feel a lot of men feel like they need to give off to the world. I mean, it goes back to the money thing. You know, like if, if you're in a partnership and you both are able to pay your rent and pay your bills and you're both providing, then why is the person who's making less feel worse about themselves if they're, if they're a partnership ultimately? Mm-hmm. That's just from the finance side. I think I think no, you, it's it's so true, and it's it's not even just like I said for for finance. It's also like the dating situation. They 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 want they want people to look at them as this strong man who has it all together. And if you cry, God forbid, <laughs> you don't have it together. Um, I think that I've always been an extremely extroverted and very open about my feelings, and a lot of my perception of this is through the eyes of kind of my friends who maybe aren't as open about it. So it is kind of hard for me to give more specific details as to the, like the root cause of why this perception is even a thing, but it, it is so present in our society. And I just, I wish I knew the first step into <laughs> moving the dial um, yeah. aside from being an ally and I think it, it's really important for, again, men to hold men accountable because I think that you, you I don't know, you, you, see, you see your peers not being okay with the behavior that you're acting. And similarly, like, you know, women holding women accountable, like if a woman calls out a woman the B word, that's not okay. <laughs> that needs mm-hmm. to be, that needs to be communicated. So holding holding peers accountable, I would say. Yeah, totally. And you know, you talk about this kind of perception, and I think so much of it comes down to this cultural conditioning of what it's supposed to be like to be a man, what it's supposed to be like to be a woman. And you know, you're talking about the dating and the example you gave earlier is you've had some women in your life admit that, oh, after they admitted their feelings a few times, I wasn't as attracted to them. And as easy as it would be to be like, oh, that person's like not great. But it's like, once again, look at the bigger picture. Women have been conditioned on this same model. So it's like, it's hurting men and women on both sides. So it's like, men have this unattainable kind of conditioning where they feel like they have to be powerful, they have to be tough, that they can't express their feelings. And then the minute we try to get rid of those conditioned models, then even women's attraction is kind of coming into question. And like, I wouldn't hold that against women per se, but more of like the model and the conditioning overall. And it's like, as we all get older and do the self work and do the inner work, a lot of these things start coming up of like, oh my gosh, the environments that we've grown up in, that we've been culturally conditioned in, like so much of it is toxic for everyone. <laughs> totally. And that's and that's the thing too. Um, when we're talking about such a huge topic, topic like toxic masculinity, it is really, really hard not to 
marginalize and put people into groups. And I want to make sure, I, ho I hope I don't come off like that when I'm speaking. And it's also, we also want to make sure we're not like blaming a person for kind of a society that they've been forced to swallow essentially. Mm -hmm. um, so it, yeah, it is, it is that, it is that balance. And I think that kind of the first step ultimately is just, I think picking up on signs from your friends when you start to see maybe their behavior starting to change, maybe it's a time to kind of reach out a little bit. It doesn't necessarily need to be a full blown intervention, but simply by asking, Hey, how are you? Kind of thing and kind of gauging their, their perception. One of my best friends and I are extremely comfortable talking about our emotions now. And I remember the first time it ever happened, it was a long conversation because we couldn't, we couldn't get what we were trying to say out. We would like say like five words, break down, cry for a little bit, and then say five more words, cry for a little bit. Yeah. And then like four hours later, we like said a sentence. Yeah. And, and I think, I honestly think that that was both him and I worried about what each other were going to think about each other and not being quote powerful. Now, I don't care. I, I mean, what I mean, I know he knows who I am. He knows I, I know who he is. And him crying to me is the same equivalent to him laughing. And I don't bat an eye when he laughs. So I think that's really important, too, is kind of easing yourself into being open about your emotions, because it's not something that can happen overnight. It's something that's like a muscle that you need to, <laughs> to flex. And as I mentioned earlier, if the first step for that is you getting a therapist and no one knows that, then I, that's, I'm way, I'm way support that than not seeking help at all. Yeah, totally. I love that. And for other men listening, you know, what are some tips that you have for other men to get this conversation started about mental health? I think that if you are noticing changes in yourself that are out of character, or you're not feeling like the best person you can be, I definitely think it's worth to look into into therapy, um, look into resources if you need to kind of educate yourself more on the feelings that you're having and maybe potentially what that could, could mean. I think that might be a good start. And that way you're finding a specialist kind of really trained in exactly what you're looking for. Uh, I know like for openpathcollective.org, <laughs> uh, you can literally highlight specific focuses that you're looking into. And I think that's really, really helpful because I think that getting into finding a therapist can be scary. And I speak from this from experience because I'm experiencing it right now. <laughs> I mm -hmm. have not, I have not seen a therapist throughout my life. Uh, definitely should have been, but I wasn't. And I, I always kind of, and maybe this is something that a lot of people could experience is that man, maybe this is my masculinity coming out, but I think that I'll fix it. I'll figure this out. If I'm, if I'm feeling a certain way, uh, I've got this. I, okay. Um, but then you notice the problem is not only continuing, but it's expanding and that you realize that you really can't fix it just by yourself. Like you need, you need help. You need resources around that. So again, I think first and foremost, if you're getting into it, it's just really focusing on the area that you think that you need to benefit from at first. And then you're able to expand once you've really hit the nail <laughs> on what's currently bothering you. Yes. I think, you know, all men and, and everyone should seek 
mental health treatment in the form of therapy, even if nothing's, you know, quote wrong, because it's so great to have an impartial third party to help you out. And then, yeah, if you are going through a specific issue, having a counselor who's well-versed in that is so helpful. And I'm just going to call it right now. It's not going to maybe happen right away, but I promise you in like five to 10 years, the men who are going to therapy, it's going to be like, you put that on a dating profile. Women are going to be like, Oh my God, a man do <laughs> a man doing the work. Like men going to therapy is sexy. So like, you know, it's definitely shows you that they're interested in healing because we all have our own individual trauma from just life itself, especially after this past year. And yeah, to be able to work on yourself, that would help you work on the relationship as well. And yeah, I love that. And I'm, and I'm proud of you, Colin. That's awesome. Thank you. I, I realized I've been, quote, trying to fix myself for like 10 plus years. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, I'm going to need, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And I think you brought up a good point of like, that is a very kind of more masculine trait of like, oh, I'll figure this out by myself. I'll just fix it. And then it's like, no, there's no shame in getting support. There's no downfall by saying I need a professional to help me through this. And like I said, you don't even have to have a quote mental health issue. You don't need a diagnosis. You don't even need to have hard times. If you just want to talk to someone about yeah. anything, um, you know, I think it's super important. Totally. And, and the thing is too, is that people sometimes forget that sometimes what they're going through, they're not the only one suffering from it <laughs> when they're bringing it home to their friends, their partners, their loved ones their loved ones are seeing kind of the reaction <laughs> and, mm -hmm. um, and obviously the person's feeling it. So I'm not trying to like, you know, everyone's kind of experiencing this at once. So it's almost like helping doing this for your people you care about too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It helps everyone. Mm -hmm. I know there's like that one photo of like, it looks like a utopian, like robot world. And they're like, they're like what today could have looked like if all of our like dads got therapy. <laughs> <laughs> There's like flying cars and robots. <laughs> That's like, amazing. <laughs> so, I love it. I love it. So I am so glad that you are in the mental health and wealth community and that you have been like literally the first attendee at the mental health and wealth hangout, which is coming up on a year now, almost, I think in June or July, which is exciting. And I wanted to hear a little bit more about your experience, especially for people listening who may or may not have heard me talk about it. They have no idea what it's about, what it's like. What has been your experience and why do you keep coming back? <laughs> when I first heard about the mental health and wealth chat, it was through Martinez and Your Money. You were talking about your new endeavor and <laughs> I, I think that like, I was one of those things where I was kind of like listening to head, I was listening to my headphones, you know, normally. And I heard you say the word mental health and I'm like, my eyes kind of perked up and I'm like, Ooh, like, yes. Like this is a subject that I care about. I want everyone to be happy with themselves and focus on themselves. And I was like, I am going to totally support Melanie. And at this point, like I had met you one time, but it was like, <laughs> I did. It was like, I think I had met you and then later 
put two and two together, I'm like, oh, that's Melanie from the podcast. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, But then I was like, oh, okay. Like, I wonder, because it's like a Zoom, I'm like, I wonder if I'm going to look like a little fanboy if I just show up (laughs) to the mental health and wealth chat. And I'm like, you know what? No, I don't care. I love this topic and I want to support. And mental health and wealth chat is, has been, I think, really really important for me because well for so many reasons one we're helping to break stigma we're having people open up um of all different ages you know people of all types all over the world and we're all kind of having this moment where you can talk to literal strangers and i think one really important thing about it is that like you know obviously you created it to help break the stigma and and help talk about mental health but there are so many people who are kind of afraid to do the therapy thing because of the label of having a therapist, but they're willing to talk to a stranger, which with the, with the exception of like the trained medical professional, like in that zone, you're giving people a place to communicate how they're feeling. And I've just seen like the look on people's faces after they've gotten like something off their chest in that chat. And that just warms my heart. And that's kind of like why I keep returning. And we've all kind of become this like weird little every other Thursday community. Uh, (laughs) And I I do my absolute best to show up to almost, I think I've been to almost everyone, minus like maybe one or two, but I love it. And um, I think what you've created is, is beautiful. Thank you. That means so much to me. And yeah, Colin's been like basically every single one. And, you know, we do have a crew of regulars that come every other Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific over Zoom. And basically the structure is we check in with our money and our mental health on a scale from one to 10, because we know that those feelings can change minute by minute, day by day. And then we just see where the conversation takes us. Sometimes we do have more themed topics like for the COVID anniversary, I wanted to talk about that and how it was all affecting us. But typically, we just see what's going on that day. And I help facilitate a discussion around mental health and money, because these are taboo topics that need to be addressed that so many people have come to the chat. And they're like, I have no one else to talk to about this, or I can't share this anywhere. And that is so important that we give space to that. Because it's like, when you're dealing with these thoughts and emotions and they're just bottled up inside, like you said, that bottle's going to break eventually and it's going to come out in really not so great ways for anybody. And so if we can just have that space just to acknowledge these thoughts and feelings. And what I love about the hangouts is that we we literally do have people from all over the world, different ages, different races, different genders. It's actually quite diverse and I love it. And you know, we, we, we do have a, a regular crew now, but we also obviously welcome new people that just want to come and try it out, maybe come once, just check it out. And Colin especially is like the welcome committee, basically. Like anytime there's a new person, he's so sweet and he makes them feel welcome and, and happy. And so if you're interested in coming to the Mental Health and Wealth Hangout, it's every other Thursday. I typically advertise it in the newsletter as well as on Instagram and it's free and it's a really great way to just talk about these topics with other people who actually want to talk about it too. And I think that's why it's powerful and why it works. It's it's not that I'm some magician that's like, tell me all your deep, dark secrets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's that we've created this space where we're all opting in to talk about mental health and money. And so it's like, 
it's not like I just got random people together to be like, hey, let's force this topic. It's like clearly the people that are attending are the ones that want to talk about mental health and money. And so we're all there to do that. And it's been so fun. And it's ranged from dark to silly to funny to interesting. It's It's gone to so many different directions. And I just love it because you just never know where it's going to go. I've like, you know, I... I've met people too that, because so, so for anyone listening who hasn't been to one, it is a completely safe space. So it's not something that if you attend, we're going to plaster your name attached to it. So if you want to come just to see what it's like, awesome. But I have made friends who we've then added each other publicly, you know, on, on social media after the fact. And it's just a, it's just a really beautiful place. And I think I, I even told my roommate this one time, it to me it almost was kind of like a therapy prep <laughs> where it really like i had never talked to a comp- well i did that back i have talked to several uber drivers after the club about my feelings <laughs> but, aside, yeah. but, it's, but that's under the influence <laughs> yeah and and the next morning i regret it profusely but yeah. this i do not <laughs> yeah it's a it's a great place to just like sit and talk to people. And again, also like, I actually find so much uh, just in enjoyment and also just hearing other people's stories. Um, because as you said, it's people of all walks of life. They're all amazing people, beautiful people. And I think what one thing that I think is so cool is that everyone always is on a different spectrum on the, the financial and mental health, you know, radar. And obviously that might, might come off a little bit of uh, quote obvious Colin, but it's actually a good reminder that you can be in your seventies and not have an emergency fund versus in who's 18 and you do, or you, you know, also in the reverse of like mental health too. Uh, I just in general love people and I love interacting with people. So it's a great experience. Oh, well, I'm super happy to have you there every other Thursday and it's just wonderful to chat and catch up with everyone. And yeah, if you're interested, would love other people to join. Colin's the official welcome committee. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it, you can be as public or as anonymous as you'd like. You know, we do have people, you know, show their face or not for the first time. And then, you know, you can put your name or not. Definitely just pop in and, and share if you feel like this is a space that you want because having these conversations is so important. And like I tell everyone in the hangout every other Thursday, we are the trailblazers. We are the ones breaking the taboos because we're doing that in this small, safe space right now over Zoom. We don't record it, obviously, because (laughs) it's confidential. And those conversations can permeate to, like you said, your roommates, to your family. And then we slowly but surely start to change the world because we are the ones breaking the taboos and having these conversations. Because it's also, it's it goes even beyond the people in the chat. It's also every single person, that person is saying, that tell, telling what they're going to. Oh, I'm, I, like I told my mom, like, oh, she, she's like, what are you doing, honey? I'm like, oh, I'm going to jump on and talk to my Talk about my feelings to a bunch of strangers. Uh, in an hour. Yeah. <laughs> and, and she's like, huh. And it, it's That's funny. interesting. Like, <laughs> well, have fun. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, no, it's like, because when you're telling other people what you're doing and like what you're attending, you're kind of like triggering something in their mind. Even, even like 
my boss. I, I tell him essentially every other Thursday, if, if, and when possible, if I'm able to get off, I, I mention it. I'm like, I go to a mental health and wealth chat and he's like, what? And I'm like, it's really exactly what it, what the, what the name is. Um, yeah. but it's a place where people are able to talk about mental health and money. And it's a really cool safe space and a, just a really cool group. And then I don't think I've ever, ever told that to someone without like in, intriguing follow-up questions. Really? Who all goes? <laughs> <laughs> What's it about? And then, and I always tell them, you know, you're welcome to come. And uh, most of the time, I think people are still, it's, it's still stigma for both yeah. double stigma. So people might not want to come for one of the two or both. But I, I think just the continued communication about it helps to, to break it down and have people not be afraid of it anymore. Ah, well, thank you for that. I'm so glad you're helping break the stigma and talk about these important topics. And so glad that you've been such a vocal champion. And I'm so glad that we could talk about all of these really deep and amazing topics recording for the podcast. So thank you so much for being on the show, Colin. It's been my pleasure. Oh, Melanie, I'm so, so glad. I, as I mentioned to you, my you actually, you're helping me complete a goal, by the way. My goal oh. was to be on at least two of my technically four favorite podcasts. And the reason uh -huh. why I say three is because the fourth one is a true crime podcast. <laughs> but you essentially have to like die or have something bad happen to you to be on Let's it. not do so, that. <laughs> yeah. So, maybe not. So like literally I, I asked Shannon about Martinez and Your Money and I asked my, my friend Carson about her podcast and associates. And then for yours, I was like, you have so many amazing guests on this podcast that are like legitimate professionals. And because I'm not a medical professional, I was like, I don't know if she'd want me on it. So we'll see. But then I was like, you know what? It's a communication. It's a talk about mental health. And if someone sees this and they want to hear some 28 year old dude who has no medical background to talk about my experience, then it's worth it. Well, I love it. And first of all, I'm proud of you for asking because that's amazing and just goes to show that, you know, sometimes it really is just about asking and people will say yes. And once you asked, I was like, of course, like, why wouldn't I? Like, this would be a perfect opportunity. And, you know, yes, I, I admit we do have some amazing people on this show, but it's important for me to have, you know, quote, professionals with degrees and licenses, X, Y, Z, but also the real stories from people as well. Like, I want to have it all to show people like, here's more prescriptive advice from professionals, but here's also the real stories from real people as, you know, shared from their experience. And so I really appreciate you being on the show and sharing everything. Absolutely. I'm so glad you had me. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Want more content and support? Sign up for the Mental Hump newsletter and get our free Mental Health and Money Inventory Worksheet. You can sign up at mentalhealthandwealth.com and also check out our other blog posts and podcast episodes. Also, we host a Mental Health and Wealth Hangout every other Thursday over Zoom at 5 p.m. Pacific to chat about all things money and mental health. The best part, it is free. If you'd like to support the podcast, it would mean so much to me if you left a review. And you can also support me at ko-fi.com forward slash Melanie Lockhart. And lastly, I want to remind you to do something for yourself to take care of your mental health and wealth.